0: Well, now is the time where I hit the record button and say welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. My name is Toogie, joined as always by the illustrious. Nope. The incomparable. not a- The definitely not <laughs> intoxicated this week.
1: Yeah. This is going to be a poor performance. <laughs>
0: Crash Andrews, everybody.
1: I... I'm so glad we're not doing video because I look like a fucking trucker. <laughs> I just caught myself in the... <laughs> I'm going to start a convoy and I don't know what issue we're going to right. well, oh gosh.
0: Definitely, <laughs> I definitely didn't just take a screenshot of our call <laughs> to put this out on Twitter after the fact at yeah. Second Turnbuckle. 2ND Turnbuckle on Twitter, everybody, as I'm sure you are well aware. Here, that might here. be my new monitor, like background my new i'll I'll give
1: you the full so that you can do like (laughs) a much better screen grab
0: that's a beautiful day (laughs) tremendous (laughs) we got it we're good yay oh goodness so another week in the world of wrestling and boy did nothing ever happen ever yeah yeah hey hey did bray wyatt have a match sure didn't He's not important enough to be on the pay-per-view. Come on. Ugh.
1: Bray Wyatt was so much better when he wasn't around. Like, <laughs> the <laughs> hype for Bray Wyatt was so much better when it was White Rabbit. It was amazing. And then he showed up. It's almost like, like you have a birthday party and that one friend shows up that you kind of hope didn't.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's, Your mom that's made where we invite at. him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that Bray is, Wyatt. That is record time for you giving out about Bray Wyatt. By the way,
1: <laughs> I'm I'm so disappointed. And you called it. I will give you all the credit in the world because when we talked Bray Wyatt, when we talked about um, when we talked about like who was it, and I'm like, oh, it's a Carrion Cross because he used to have a character. I'm pretty sure it's that. And you're like, no, I'm pretty sure it's Bray Wyatt. And you had your reservations and boy howdy did you ever nail it more like uncle howdy um oh god (laughs) this has just been one i have never seen because i'm even thinking like seven when dustin reynolds went over to wcw like how terrible of an execution this was but at least can you hear my dog, barking, By the way, a little bit. It's okay. Yeah, um, just riled up as well about Bray Wyatt. She's aren't pissed. We
0: all?
1: <laughs> um, at least seven. At least Dustin Reynolds got in the ring and said, "This is sucks. This is stupid." And it turned out actually to be decent wrestling television for that moment, and then it died again. So,
0: yeah. So we'll start off today's episode by talking about. Survivor Series and the the week that was with the WWE side of things, because as you mentioned, you know, there was no Bray Wyatt presence on Survivor Series whatsoever. It was limited to SmackDown the day before and a continued feud with LA Knight and continuing the promos in regards to... The split personality, and I just want to be me, but I'm being forced to be the monster, and the crowd chants, "Yeah, be the monster." <laughs> he one came highest, back almost two months characters. ago. Yeah, yeah. October eighth was the date of Extreme Rules.
1: Yeah, but they were pushing this thing for another two months before that with White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Like we're almost at a half year of um of this like whatever this is turning out to be now granted i grew up in an era where the payoff was at every quarter so it's, there was no like monthly pay-per-view or special premium level event or whatever it is um yeah it just like y- you got the payoff or at least you got one of the matches uh every 3 months right Mm. This is well past that. This is way beyond that. Like the best before date on this has passed. It's it's stale. It's chunky. It's rotten. I want nothing to do with it anymore.
0: I'm sure the let it play out crowd has that opinion still. For me, though, I look at it and I still say, how is it any different than what it was before? He is the secondary character behind the main character of the show the champion typically Mm -hmm. and again that is the case in this instance he is secondary to roman reign in the bloodline which in fairness maybe he should be because that's the best thing wwe has going but at the same time it's like okay you're still the secondary character at best you're still doing the spooky stuff where it's like, okay, he's like, I don't want to be spooky, but here's Uncle Howdy, and it's like, I have my split... Per-. Like, it's just, It just feels like the same stuff that if you watched NXT back in the day, you've been watching since then. Yeah. If you have been watching this product since uh, SummerSlam 2013 was when he had his first match on the main roster, if I'm not mistaken. That brutal, totally not Inferno match at, at SummerSlam that year that was terrible. It just feels like more of the same. Like, I'm sorry, but if the big evolution of the character is him being like, but I don't want to be Mankind, I want to be Mick Foley, then it's it's just not doing it for me. It's not.
1: It just sounds like every kid in the lineup to see Santa. I don't want to see Santa. I want a Nintendo. <laughs> it's, ju- it's just like... It's just been disappointing. And the the scary thing, too, is this wasn't a Triple H thing. This started with McMahon. McMahon was all for bringing Bray Wyatt back. Right. And if this was what was being played out, like, oof, this, I I just, I don't get it. And sooner or later, like, I'm even thinking about Firefly uh, Funhouse. Mm. And in the beginning, I didn't get it, but that was like a month or two months. And then we got the fiend and that was actually, it was bizarre, but it was kind of cool. And Mm -hmm. then they ran with uh, the fiend as a character with Bray Wyatt showing up every once in a while. And you wanted to know more about the fiend. We know about Bray Wyatt. We don't know about Uncle Howdy. Don't really want to know much more about Uncle Howdy honestly unless uh. it's bo dallas um yeah this this is off the rails, and i i like you said like i I've been burned with the let it play out group before i I don't see how this gets back on the rails, and especially at the expense of l a night
0: yeah i I mean again maybe they they find a way to kind of salvage it. I'd love to be wrong, you know, as I'm sure anti-WWE as I could come off on this podcast I want them to be better for the same reason that when AEW last year had their maximum hype level that they've seen so far people were still rooting for, you know, the the whole saying of rising tides raises all ships. If WWE is better, AEW is going to be better to match that AEW is doing good, WWE is going to try to be better to match that, in theory um But yeah, as it stands right now, I'm just not I'm just not feeling it. And to be honest, that's kind of the general sentiment surrounding the pay-per-view as well, which we can do a a quick little rundown. We're not Mm going to go probably as in-depth as the AEW event, because first and foremost, it was only five matches. And secondly, I don't think it necessarily warrants it.
1: You had I, I, I don't think there was that many surprises either, honestly, like there were like there was, I guess, one major one but there wasn't very many surprises outside of that. Yeah, like it, it I mean it felt like a crown jewel. Almost, right?
0: Almost. Yeah. So, obviously the big selling point is the fact that hey, it's it's war games and it's like, okay, this was in Boston, like I said, I could have gone if I wanted to. They didn't really sell me on it. The women's war games match was almost 40 minutes long. It was not a bad match but I don't think it was a good or great match. Mm -hmm. And as we'll talk about and can kind of talk about here in a general sense with Ronda beating Shotzi, a lame duck challenger for the SmackDown women's title. I don't think this was the best showing for WWE's women's division on this night. Like, yes, you do get Becky Lynch back. She is a fucking superstar. And in a general sense, WWE's presentation of their women's roster has been better than AEW's, of course. The superstars of that division, the Becky's, uh, the Sasha Banks, the Charlotte's, they are presented as stars. Mm-hmm. Better than anyone on the AEW roster. From an in ring standpoint, however, I don't see this gigantic gulf between the two rosters, and I'm not trying to make it like an AEW WWE thing, but yeah, no, no, no. at the same time, I hear a lot of like, oh, the WWE's women roster just smash out of the park. I mean, Jesus, like if you want to compare the two pay-per-views, it's tough to compare a War Games match. It's maybe tough to compare a Ronda Rousey match to what we saw, but say like Tony Storm and Jamie Hader. But the I think the presentation of the, the women's rosters was better on All Out or not All Out, excuse me, on uh, Full Gear. And in a general sense, like, Ronda Shotzi wasn't very good, was a little bit sloppy, and that's unfortunate. The women's war game match had some rather sloppy moments. Like I said, it was fine. Um, you know, Mia Yim struggling to throw a trash can into the ring was honestly more funny than it needed to be, and I felt bad for her because she's fantastic. Um, Hey, damage control. They came back at SummerSlam, and they're already losing big matches. So that's cool. Um,
1: It it just, it feels like, uh, uh, I find it interesting that the three names that you mentioned, um, up until Saturday, all three of them are not active wrestlers, right? Sasha's not there, and who knows what's happening there. Um, What the hell is happening with Charlotte? have no idea. Right. Like, there's no reports of injury, there's no reports of, like, there's how do you not find something for Charlotte Flair, especially kind of getting started into like, we're already like talking about WrestleMania matches at this point. Um, and then Becky obviously injured. Like we knew Becky was injured. So what's up with the other two? Having said that without those mainstays, they don't know what they're doing. Like their, their biggest sell right now is probably damage control. Like, they're they were the main focus, but they've already lost one back uh, the tag team titles, and now losing SummerSlam. Like who who's your who's your top? Who's your is it Bianca Belair? Is it Bayley? Is it who is it? Because it is an absolute mess, and I I don't feel like there's. Uh, I'm going to say equality, but not in the definition of how you normally hear it with men and women. There's just the, the, it feels like there's still something going on with the bloodline and they know where they're heading. And there's some rumors of what's going to happen at Royal Rumble, what's going to happen at Hell in the Cell or, or whatever, uh, whatever next pay-per-views they have. They, they already have a kind of planned out. I have no idea. And I'm pretty sure they have no idea what they're doing with their women's division right now. And maybe it's because they don't know when Sasha's going to be back, when Charlotte's going to be back. Don't know with injuries. And maybe they're walking on eggshells right now with the whole division.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't, really, uh, can't really put it any better than that, to be honest. It's... It, there's no direction. And it, it feels
1: it does feel like a week-to-week thing with the women's division. So.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, you know, I guess it'll take shape. I mean the rumored Becky Ronda match at WrestleMania which eh, I mean I guess that's the one positive you could say about Becky coming back is it is as the man character and not what she had been doing before. So like you have that going on, you still Yeah, I'm a, I don't, I, don't know.
1: I, th- I think that's a good sell only because um they haven't fought together before. Like the whole um the whole selling point of the WrestleMania main event started with those two and then for whatever reason they uh they made sure Charlotte was a part of it. Which we I gotta didn't gotta
0: have Charlotte Flyer.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Vince. Um I I kinda wanna see a high level match with the two on their own. Not a inserted third. So i i think that if that's where they're heading uh, like you still have to build it up on the way there and i don't mm. know if they're doing a great job of it right now but they still have i mean to wrestlemania they still got six months so
0: <laughs> long long way to go um aj styles beat finn balor in what is uh you know again about as good of a match as you would expect between these two under the wwe umbrella AJ gets his first singles pay-per-view win in like three years. (laughs) And again, surprise, surprise, the Judgment Day lose a big match. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like we're Um, building them up and we're doing these cool things. And this clip of Dominic and Rhea Ripley attacking Rey Mysterio at Thanksgiving gets like tens of (laughs) millions of views, which was great. By the way, I watched that. That was really entertaining. And then, hey, we lose another big match on pay-per-view. Every time. Like clockwork.
1: I got just, nothing here. Like, it's that—that's a dream. Like obviously, it's a dream match. Outside of WWE, they've done it before within WWE, and it was a banger. It should mm. always be a banger. But then again, there's the the cloud of like the Judgment Day on it, and it just like I I don't get it. I don't understand the Judgment Day. I mean, I know it was a different topic that. W- you and I were talking about in in uh uh direct messaging there, but like you uh and I'm sure we'll bring it up later on, but bloodline versus evolution evolution like there's it feels like these groups are created to elevate mm. you could say the Usos are getting elevated, you could say solo's getting elevated, you can't elevate Roman reigns any higher than where he's at right now. Right. Sami Zayn is absolutely getting elevated evolution was Randy Orton and Batista, right? Mm -hmm. And to bring Ric Flair back, like the Space Mountain Ric Flair, which we had lost for years before that, right? So, like, these things should be to build those involved. Damien Priest is going nowhere. Mm. Finn's not in the picture for the heavyweight or for the intercontinental or anything like, like that there's nothing there there's zero
0: you're so what
1: do they do? building
0: dominic and rhea ripley
1: <laughs> for what for what it's it's I mean, so dumb it is one of the worst factions they've ever created and i remember freaking
0: out for the oddities <laughs> Well, for Rhea Ripley, you could argue it's going to build her t- build her towards a title. Did she necessarily need this to build her towards the title? She might be more over by the end of it. Uh, for Dominic, I mean, you have to debate kind of what his ceiling is, but time will tell.
1: Oh no, Speaking we're not of doing what the, someone's No, we're not doing the. We're got to let this one play out. It's terrible <laughs> right now. As we're recording this,
0: it is terrible. Fair enough. Now. There's also Austin Theory winning the United States title in fluky fashion, of course, as a, you know, a slimy heel should over Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. Just let it play out, Crash. This was the plan.
1: (laughs) I'm of two minds of this one. I, I like Austin Theory as a wrestler. I think he's talented. I think he is one of the pillars of WWE that they should be building right now. And I'm not angry that he is the U.S. champion right now. I am disappointed with the road to said title reign. Like, how... How's the guy gonna lose on one finisher and the other guy is absolutely... Just had a hell of a match. You cash in money in the bank and you don't win the title, but then you can go with a 20 minute or however long that match was. You can go that long, taking as much abuse and everybody's taking as much abuse and you can pin a guy like it, I get suspend your brain and the mentality and, and, but there's no logic here. Like, and I love triple H in the, the press conference afterwards. Like, Oh, his his career was over two weeks ago. Uh Whose fault was that? <laughs> that's not Austin Theory. That's just the booking that they've been doing since uh, since McMahon left. And then you're yeah, gonna give him the title two weeks later. It's almost like flipping the the women's division title just for the sake of a a, a title change. It, it, I like that Austin Theory is the champion because I don't think that's a Seth Rollins or a Bobby Lashley title that they should be fighting for. Having said that he's got to show me a lot more over the next little bit like the ic and the uh u.s titles should be those like are you going to be a good heavyweight champion we already know that seth and bobby are so i i'd rather see it on austin theory at this point
0: i don't like the term but that press conference quote thank you for gaslighting your audience hunter like, no, your critique wasn't <laughs> valid. Just, here's our age old defense of Let it play out. So what is your story then? That it took a brutal, embarrassing failure for this guy to become serious enough to win the title by essentially lucking into it was the booking of the match. It's not like he had this big redemption in the match where he just outright got the better of these two.
1: He lost to Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. He lost to a guy who's not a full-time wrestler. Uh And yet Vince McMahon came in and beat Pat McAfee afterwards. Uh And then he got stunned. Like the guy's been through enough. The guy has already had his low point. You don't need to give us another low point on Raw. Like let the guy just give him the ball. Let him run with it. Don't keep knocking his feet out from underneath him Uh and see. Oh, let's see what hap- how he handles this one. Yeah. My dog's pissed off about that one, too.
0: Rightfully so. Um, I'm uh, sorry, but I, I cannot uh, and will not sit there and accept uh, you burying the guy to death. Second Hunter takes over. He starts losing every match. Fails to cash in money in the bank and then wins the title in a heelish way i will not take that as like see you gotta let the story play out it's like this is his vent like no yeah no I'm, I'm not and if you're telling me that's the story it's a pretty shit story to be honest
1: yeah yeah it's it's covering your ass
0: yeah so look i get it you gotta be a politician in the role The paul of x in F- no just not not having it with that particular story cool whatever The end the end of it is like, okay. what would have been better what they did or Austin Theory beating Seth Rollins for the title than having a one on one match at Survivor Series? Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, and you just let those two tear the fucking house down. And then maybe if you're telling us that Austin Theory is this his character is this serious threat. He just beats Seth Rollins.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll do you one better. Austin Theory cashes in on Roman Reigns, loses, is pissed off, attacks Seth Rollins, they have a match at Survivor Series, and he takes the U.S. title. And the explanation is is he he knows, because he even said, like, he's not going to beat Roman Reigns. He hasn't been in the ring with him. He hasn't had a match with him. Why not lose to Roman Reigns and have that as the motivation to go after the U.S. title and to take on the bigger guys that are I mean, holding the, the title. I mean, got the U.S.
0: title shot without having to necessarily earn it, right? Like, it's yeah. just like, he's in the match, whatever. He beat fucking, I don't know, he's the 17th person this month to beat Mustafa Ali. Give him a U.S. title shot. Like I, I said, just... just but yeah, the logic is, is not there. Then there's the main event, And yes, hands down, the best thing WWE is doing is the entire story with the bloodline where they win war games. Sammy's officially accepted in. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal storyline. Is he? Well, that's the thing. How this ages. This could go down as one of WWE's best storylines ever.
1: Mm -hmm. Long-term storylines, absolutely.
0: Yes. How do they stick the landing? over the next few months
1: dare i say this could be up there with brett owen because brett owen i think we established was like a year and a half to two years of yeah. build up and then payoff, and just how they always intertwined and the fact i mean can you add the uh canadian stampede heart foundation where brett and owen are back together again, where they didn't have any interaction together at all. This could yeah. be up there with that, which is one of the best stories. I think WWE has told long-term stories that they've ever told. I'll agree with you with that because the buildup of how it from like Jada Roman, um, Jimmy coming back, uh, everything, you know, the buildup of, you know, we're not the yes men to, standing right behind the tribal chief and there's inevitable finishes here but as you've always said like we don't know just yet and that's actually the best part about it is we actually want to see whether or not we're right or wrong or what they're going to do next so as much as i don't like them holding the all the titles and roman only showing up on smackdown yet holding the raw title Like, I've got very little argument towards that it is the best thing going on WWE side of professional wrestling right now. Sports entertainment, I guess.
0: Sami Zayn as well. So over at this stage that a lot of people could rightfully say that this inevitably falling back to he and Kevin Owens winning the tag titles from the Usos might not be enough in terms of capitalizing on the opportunity that they have here
1: I still, I I don't know if he's ready to hold the major title when we've seen what's that? He won't
0: and that's the thing, right? Like, there's no no fucking way they're gonna give Sami Zayn the world title there's just no way, whether like, he, should he should he be in a theoretical situation behind a Cody Rhodes at this stage? no should he be behind the potential of Dwayne showing up? No. But he is. Right. But you always have stars like this that take a back seat to the real stars. See, although who this. knows, maybe in the Hunter era it changes.
1: I love this because this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like we're we're debating what should happen and what's going to happen. And he should get that heavyweight title shot. And I agree with you that he is not the guy to to run with the title unless it's like a short-term turnaround like a ms uh second championship but having said that if he does have that shot and he loses then where does Sami Zayn go mm. because if he loses to roman reigns and there's that rift there's no going back like he's not he'd be kicked back out of the bloodline It's not like he can challenge within the bloodline. Yeah. And the best thing that is going for him right now is that he is in the bloodline. So if he doesn't win the heavyweight championship, then he becomes that telltale story in WWE where we just don't have anything for you right now. So the best thing going for him is to not get that shot. But I honestly think that that is one of the most logical things that will happen down the road as he gets that shot.
0: All the potential in the world for this to age is one of their best storylines ever. It just depends on how they stick the landing. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want it to be one of those storylines that we talk about until the end of time. Where it's like, oh, it was so good, but they just didn't stick the landing. Oh, the You can't talk about the Nexus without talking about SummerSlam 2010. You can't. Mm -hmm. So it's just that idea of can they stick the landing on this? And deliver beginning to end an absolutely phenomenal story.
1: And we'll let's out. be real here too. Like in the world of professional wrestling, things don't last forever and runs don't last forever, and you gotta reinvent yourself. Cause Sami Zayn five years ago would not be in this spot. Right. Sami Zayn has done an amazing job of keeping himself relevant. Um even took a match with the Johnny Knoxville to Stay in the eyes of of the world of the world. What of professional a year wrestling. he's had, huh? Yeah.
0: If he wins, I don't think, like in in a general sense, with I guess we'll use the term taste makers, he's not going to beat Will Ospreay for Wrestler of the Year. No. But if someone were to say that Sami Zayn was their favorite Wrestler of the Year, I wouldn't blame him.
1: He's he's not the heart, but he could be the Lester B.
0: There you go. We'll take that. <laughs> so, all in all, yeah, Survivor Series was fine. It wasn't this amazing blow-away show, and I still think, in a general sense, WWE isn't exactly firing on all cylinders. I don't think they're they've fully taken advantage of the hype level that they had when Triple H first took over, but they do have one of their best storylines in ages leading the way and that helps a lot.
1: I think I think they're with Triple H bringing everybody back. This is something I was thinking about was there's a lot of spots that were there when Triple H took over that aren't there. And those guys need to step up. And then as we're seeing with Johnny Gargano, like you have to be on the top of your game and not piss anybody off. Because the next night on SmackDown, you'll be in the ring with Ole who, what are we doing with him other than squashing everybody? Other than squashing Johnny Cargano in three minutes. It's, yeah. Fucking it's hell. Like, the, the tables have slightly turned a little bit that one company's getting their stuff together and the other one seems to be in a little bit of shambles. It's just, there's less biting involved in this one.
0: Yeah, so from an AEW standpoint, you know coming off of a phenomenal full gear pay-per-view last weekend or i guess the weekend before last now uh you had what i thought was a very very interesting edition of dynamite last week um obviously highlighted by the elite death triangle match which obviously the <laughs> you know the crowd very much very much against the elites um more so than i certainly thought they were going to be You also had the Bucks and Kenny Omega leaning into the CM Punk side of things more than anybody, I think, ever thought they would with mocking Punk's attempts at the Buckshot Lariat, Kenny Omega biting somebody a la A. Steel. Still very surreal, and I stand by um, a point that I had made in that I think... This goes down as, at least so far, one of the very few moments that can rival. It doesn't surpass it, in my opinion, but it belongs in the conversation with Shawn Michaels on Raw in 2005 in Montreal, taunting and teasing that crowd into thinking that Bret Hart was going to show up.
1: They, they missed the opportunity because that actually has shown up on my timeline and, and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, all day today. Um, one of the greatest promos in WWE history. Mm-hmm. For the fact that he couldn't stop talking about Brett, Couldn't stop talking about the screw job. Seven years later. And. Then Bret Hart's music hits. And this is in the day and age of, of dirt sheets. Really kind of um, taking over professional wrestling. You knew that if Brett was going back, we would have heard about it. And Brett's music. And I got fish hooked. Uh, Montreal got fish hooked. Mm-hmm. I don't see how they didn't capitalize on that, considering how much love they have for Bret Hart and everything that they do. Maybe that's why. Because it is Shawn Michaels, one of Shawn Michaels' finest moments in, in WWE as a heel. Mm-hmm. Um how great would it have been in Chicago to have the elite go out? Because they're obviously referencing CM Punk, so why not have them go out and talk about it in Chicago and have cult of personality play? Which isn't a CM Punk thing, it's an AEW thing. They're paying for the rights. That would have been outstanding. A nice callback to the Shawn Michaels promo and, and Chicago would have just lost it.
0: I think it might that might have been now people are arguing if what they did during the match was a bridge too far or, you know, highlighting the CM Punk, the fuck CM Punk chance at full gear. If that was too far. I do wonder if there is still some sort of pending litigation or if there is still an attempt to mend the fence or something like that. I do wonder if that would have been like, all right, let's not. Let's not go too far with this.
1: I think he's coming back. I honestly, I think he's coming back to AEW. Because as you've said, there's money to be made in the ring. But because we haven't heard any updates. He hasn't been fired yet. The elite are back in the ring. So how much litigation is there still to be figured out? I I think he's, he's still on the roster as far as I know. They haven't made a release saying that Phil Brooks is no longer with the company. He's collecting paychecks. I think he's coming back and that's going to be one of the most bizarre, amazing, weird, but it's going to make so much money for the company. It's going to be one of the biggest if they put CM Punk and Kenny Omega in the ring together that is going to be one of the biggest matches on paper that we've seen in quite some time.
0: You want to talk? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you want to talk about what's the, what's one of the things AEW can do to get their highest buy rate of all time. It's that it's a elite versus CM Punk and FTR six man.
1: Yeah, there's there. That's been pitched around too, is kind of one of the dream scenarios out of everything, because that's kind of where it was leading for everything as well so well
0: we did find out there was a um a stokely hathaway interview where he essentially confirmed that the firm the group was going to feud with cm punk Mm -hmm. which is kind of i think what we all expected right like the idea of mjf splintering off from that group did very much seem in reaction to punk no longer being on the roster certainly right yeah you could tell that was the plan
1: whatever the plan was disappeared with yes the whole situation with CM Punk I could see that easily
0: yeah so it was nice in a sense to kind of have that confirmed I think as we all very very much suspected um you know and that's kind of what we had talked about you know it was very clear that AEW had like really this entire year it was set up of just having to sit there and navigate Certain hurdles that were in and out of your control. Uh, another example that you know was confirmed: uh, Thunder Rosa, her injury. Uh, she is no longer AW Women's Champion. The interim tag has been dropped from Jamie Hader's reign and retroactively from Tony Storm's reign. Uh, who knows how long she'll be out, and if she'll ever be back? Andrade confirmed that he had surgery at some point in the last couple of months, if not very recently, um, it doesn't fully explain his actions in regards to the Sammy Guevara stuff and then all of his um, drama, you know, stoking of the fire on social media. Um, But that's certainly thrown plans into disarray. House of Black returned on Wednesday. This whole year has clearly been very weird um for you know the man behind the malachi black character Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: everything he's mentioned on social media injury is like this entire roster it's it's all been you know their plans the the individuals involved like miro everyone's like where is he he's probably hurt people were like oh they're burying ricky starks after his stuff with hobbs and he's like i was hurt and had stuff going on like this entire year. has just been one set of, of trials and tribulations after another. Um, I still think they're ending the year on a bit of a high note though, but it's just out of the interesting how you can kind of look at all these examples. And yeah, the CM Punk one being the biggest one of just like how many of their plans have had to change.
1: Out of the two companies, they were the ones who were heading into 2023 with all the momentum right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, WWE, don't get us wrong. They will continue to make a shitload of money. The Royal Rumble is already lined up to be the most profitable in company history. WrestleMania is going to fucking sell like gangbusters, and that's fine. But in turn, you know, in turn, like talking about the makeup of these shows and these companies from their on-screen perspective, it's yeah, it's fairly obvious. We're both a little bit more hyped about the AEW side of things right now.
1: Which we weren't like a month ago, which is bizarre.
0: A month ago, man, I, <laughs> yeah, a month, two months ago, it's like, man, just, you know, I would, I would think back to like a year ago when it was like, man, Adam Cole's coming in, Brian Danielson's here. Um, you know, they have Malachi Black kicking the shit out of Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. and I'm just digging everything this company's doing. And yeah, it's, it's been a rough year. You know, it's not been a perfect year for them by any stretch of the imagination, um, but even speaking still to that dynamite, you know, we had the surprising appearance, really, of John Moxley. Kicking off the show, confronting Regal, telling Regal to walk away, which spurned conversation online about, was his deal a one-year deal with AEW? Was it a three-year deal? Is he staying? Is he going? I thought Moxley was going on vacation. He's still here. Interesting. There's just... I-
1: I love that you sent me that message, too, like, oh, I guess Mox isn't getting that vacation after all.
0: <laughs> I couldn't believe when he showed up yeah. in the first five minutes of that show. Yep. I would not believe it just yeah, very, very bizarre, certainly um to
1: just it did come out earlier today too that uh, that uh, Regal has resigned a three year though yeah, so he will be with a e w for the next three years so. That ends all the speculation, especially with Triple H uh, heading into War Games, mm. uh, posting William Regal saying War Games from the NXT um, incarn- incarnations. Incarnations? Yes. Just seems weird. It's the flower. We're in flowers. Um, but yeah, uh, having William Regal posted on Triple H's uh, Twitter feed also threw everybody for a little bit of a loop as far as the regal going back to WWE rumors go.
0: And in terms of other aspects of the show, because I'm still kind of not done mentioning it, you had um, an amazing main event between uh, between Chris Jericho and Tomohiro Ishii, which was shocking. Um, Jericho never bleeding seen- from the chest.
1: I was going to say, I've never seen anybody bleed from the chest from strikes. Like, this wasn't a hardcore match. This was a hardcore wrestling match that Mm. caused Jericho to to leak out of his
0: pectoral, it looked like, or right down the middle. Very surprising. And I I stand by my opinion that 2022 has been Chris Jericho's best year from an in-ring perspective. And to and I, I kind of did a little bit of research on this here too to back up my points. <laughs> In, uh, and here let me, um, let me, let me bring this up here really quickly because when talking about Chris Jericho, you probably think back to like 2001. He had the ladder match with Benoit, uh, the SmackDown TLC that he was a part of, uh, the match with Triple H and Austin, the power trip on Raw where Triple H get hurt, you know, gets hurt. 2008, there's the Shawn Michaels feud. All those matches, the ladder match, awesome. The next year, he had a great feud with Rey Mysterio. But in this year, there was the much better than it should have been anarchy in the arena. There was the matches past Wednesday against Ishii. He had a great match against John Moxley at their Quick by the Lake special. There was the full gear match that just happened. Blood and Guts this year was done significantly better. That's the one where Santana got hurt, unfortunately.
1: I was just going to say, like even the matches where he's one of four or one of eight, he hasn't necessarily stolen the show, but you yeah. know he's there. You absolutely know mm-hmm. that Jericho's in that match, which is, is an absolute compliment.
0: He had great matches with Brian Danielson. Uh, Forbidden Door, he was in a six-man that was much better than it should have been. He had a great match with Eddie Kingston at revolution, not the barbed wire match on Dynamite <laughs> um, he had a great match with Bandito on Dynamite right like i I stand by it I think this has been chris Jericho's best year from an in-ring perspective as someone who has never known professional wrestling without Chris Jericho being on his television with the exception of his break in 2006 and I think 2011 this has net like I don't think he's ever had a better year in ring and he's doing it literally at his oldest. And last year, around this time, admitted, you know, he admitted he was in rough shape, you know, drinking issues, like, it is astonishing that he has had as good of a year as he has.
1: He's almost what they brought CM, or what we assumed they brought CM Punk in to be, which is that guy that can elevate the others while not necessarily... I would be very surprised if Jericho's playing any politics behind the scenes with this. I'd be very surprised. I'm sure he's protecting himself and protecting his character, but I I would be very surprised if he's really... I think he's got more of a brain for the business where he can go out there and lose a match and it doesn't hurt him versus being worried that, about losing a match. Um ahead of it and bitching and complaining about it i think he's actually been the guy that really it i mean they talked about danielson fox and jericho being the three that really picked up the rubble from all out Uh. and ran with it and there was some growing pains there but i mean i i can't really argue with your your assessment of it's his best work i just i have a hard time letting go of Jericho, the intercontinental champion, because before there was the Miz, there was Jericho bringing that title back to um prominence. And once he let go of it, it kind of dropped again until ten years later when the Miz picked it up and and was doing amazing stuff with it too. So, but I'm a I'm a I love the IC title. i That's my f- favorite title of all. So I've got more of a soft spot for Jericho than than i should because
0: of it fair enough um also wanted to mention um i don't really pay attention to ratings or anything like that i think it's i mean it's not a not a debate that's completely meaningless but it's it is what it is um their edition of rampage aired at 4 p.m eastern on friday and it actually did pretty good (laughs) in the ratings um it makes me wonder just what their approach to Rampage is going to be heading into next year. Um, you know, they had a big angle involving Dark Order on this particular show. Um, hopefully they they kind of get back to elevating that show. It's a little bit more. Like, I get the idea. Like, number one, the biggest issue is the time slot is tragic at 10 p.m. Eastern on a Friday night. Um, my hope is that I don't know if you you know exactly want to make it a SmackDown esque show, but it certainly wouldn't hurt, in my opinion, to go down that route. You know, we and I'm not about- saying like I'm not saying like brand split, but like how SmackDown was before the 2002 brand split.
1: Right. No, we Just make it a about little this. bit more important. We talked about this last week, or at least after we recorded last week, that um none of the uh the dark triangle death triangle and the elite none of their matches are on uh on Fridays right uh in canada tsn's got the rights to it but they don't air it on tv you have to stream it on their online service like it really feels like they're treating it like thunder mm yeah instead of a smackdown and i think that could actually not so much the roh stuff but One of the one of the reoccurring themes on this podcast is they bring a lot of people in, but they don't know what to do with them. Split it. Don't call it a brand split. Just let guys go out there and have some overlap. Have have Moxley show up on Friday, and then on Wednesday, but he doesn't show up on Friday again because Keith Lee's there on Friday. Like you can do this, where it's not an over saturated brand split or oversaturated with your stars either but you have to give a shit about your product if you have a tv deal run something on it get get some eyes on your product and you're going to do that with your top stars you don't have and the fact that it's recorded too uh, for the most part or i think once a month they run a live one whenever they can but at the end of the day i mean. This It's not main event. This is something that you're promoting as one of your top... Tu- well, you only have two... Well, you have three shows outside of your pay-per-views. Like, uh, Elevation. Or I guess you got Dark... En- okay, so there's four. I'm, I'm doing the math in my head right now. Um, <laughs> Like, this shouldn't be... It shouldn't be a A and B situation, especially where they're at and what they're trying to build. It should be a 1A, 1B. And if you want to put Fridays as your 1B, do it. Have it on Rampage. But make it your 1B. Don't make it a, don't make it a 2 or a 3 when Dynamite's obviously your, your moneymaker right now. So
0: The only other thing to mention here as we bring the show to a close is our little bit of history for the night. On this day in 1999, It was a Monday, meaning that there was a head-to-head between Raw and Nitro. On Nitro, you had a segment where television champion Scott Hall threw the title in the trash, rendering it defunct, until one year later where janitor Hacksaw Jim Duggan pulled it out of the garbage to bring the title back. Do
1: they not empty out their garbages in the land of professional wrestling? Like, it just sat there for a year in a completely different city? (laughs) (laughs) They bring their garbage with them? (laughs) Oh, goodness. You know, it's... I love the TV title, though. I think the TV title should be. And I mean, that, I know that that's what the TNT and the TBS technically are. Mm. But they're, I love the idea of a, a title that should be defended on every TV show. Not, mm. not pay-per-views, but there should be a Raw TV title and there should be a SmackDown TV title and they should be defended
0: every episode. On the other program... There was one of wrestling's favorite tropes. There was a wedding. Between Stephanie McMahon and Test. I
1: was hoping you were going to say Chuck and Billy. Oh, if
0: only (laughs) a few years down the road. Daddy ass to you. Yeah, Uh, that's right. This wedding, of course, was interrupted by Triple H who revealed that he married an unconscious Stephanie McMahon
1: at a Las Vegas
0: drive-thru wedding chapel.
1: (laughs) A legally binding (laughs) marriage.
0: The whole thing later revealed to be a plot uh, later on the next month uh, after the Armageddon pay-per-view in which Triple H wrestled Vince McMahon in a no-holds-barred match and Stephanie ultimately costed uh, her father, the victory. Um, one of the most infamous segments, I would say, in WWE history. My favorite and part about one of, of my this? least favorite. Yeah, yeah. Keep the going. Sole purpose. This crushed. Tests hope of being a main eventer.
1: The because best part right... about this. The <laughs> best ahead. part about this, though, was that they never followed up with Triple H and Test. You got, stu- you got absolutely shit on at the altar and mm-hmm. the next time we see you basically in any type of storyline, you're in the Union. <laughs> with Mick Foley. And- <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this could have actually been something to help elevate Test. And instead, mm-hmm. they just moved on. They just were like, "Nope, nope, you're not mad." <laughs> like there was nothing. There was. A, I, I don't even know if they mentioned it. Like the Monday after, like test, it was dropped.
0: Do you know where test was? By Armageddon, like two weeks later. D- was he was on he Sunday hair? Night Heat before the Armageddon. Yeah. Losing to Al Snow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hate to laugh because rest in peace Adam Martin but holy crap. I hate it.
0: I Andrew, hate it Martin. So much.
1: Andrew Martin. Andrew Martin, I, uh, You get that wrong every time. It's I'm strange. not even
0: correct anymore. It's great. Uh,
1: did you? I don't know if you follow Ryan Satin from uh, No, I don't. Tariff. I find him to be pretentious. Do you? I you just know. love that he actually got married down in Vegas and they recreated the passed out Stephanie and the leather poor boy backwards Kangol hat or whatever that Triple H was wearing. And I just that I, is loved funny. It. I thought proud. it was hilarious.
0: Yeah, this this is one of my least favorite segments of all time. <laughs> just for the sole <laughs> purpose of like up to this point, test was fine. He was breaking through. Yeah, he was absolutely breaking through this angle with Stephanie. Uh, If you go back and watch SummerSlam 99, he gets a phenomenal reaction after a pretty solid match with Shane McMahon for the right to be able to take part in this wedding. And yeah, literally two weeks after this at the December pay-per-view Armageddon, he is losing on the fucking pre-show Sunday Night Heat to Al Snow astonishing <laughs> absolutely astonishing he'd recover a little bit by the time uh wrestlemania came around but yeah and you know tna the tag team would start next year with trish as their manager but just right yeah any shot he had of being solidified as a main event talent went up in smoke the second triple h walked out onto that stage um and apparently this was also around the time, if not the catalyst for uh, Hunter and China's relationship to begin to fall apart as well. So this was disastrous, uh, both in a kayfabe sense and in a real life sense, if you were one Joni Lauer.
1: I, uh, I get what you're saying and why you're saying it, but I still think if they decided to run Triple H and test, that would be no pun intended. That would be the true test for, yeah. for Andrew Martin to see whether it was or not, but they just made the decision to go like, yep, no, no, this story's done. This story ended with the wedding.
0: They didn't even, like, earlier in the year, like, Billy Gunn, after winning the King of the Ring, at least got the chance to lose to The Rock. They didn't even give (laughs) Tess a chance to lose to Triple H. They just said, ah, fuck it, here's Al Snow on heat. Oh, you're losing, by the way.
1: Mr. Take Your Girl took his girl.
0: Fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the... like. I mean, it's the logic of professional wrestling. We talked about it earlier. There is none. And this is one of the truest moments of that. Like, if some dude showed up at my wedding and showed me video that he's already married to who was supposed to be my wife, punching him in the face. I don't (laughs) care if it's in a ring or not. And he's a professional wrestler.
0: Come on. Yeah, just... Again, like, you know, in 1999, he might not have been, like, the most complete in-ring performer. But right. it, I don't think Test would have just completely blown it um, in, in regards to a, a match with Triple H. Now, granted, by the time the Rumble comes around the next month, Triple H has that legendary match with Nick Foley in Madison Square Garden. But, at the same time, I'm looking over this. After this ceremony, Tess then had a short feud with DX. On the December 6th episode of Raw, Tess and Kane were defeated by Triple H and X-Pac. DX would go on to break <laughs> Test's not nose. Even, not even the New Age outlaws. Triple nope. H and X-Pac. <laughs> DX would go on to break his nose and force him into matches like a handicap match against Big Boss Man and Albert. On the December 12th episode of Heat... Tess faced Al Snow in a losing effort. The next night on Raw, Tess teamed with Triple H to face the New Age Outlaws, resulting in Triple H turning on Tess and assaulting him!
1: No, you don't say.
0: Sting, you can't trust Ric Flair for the 12th time! The next week on Raw, Triple H would continue to torment Tess by putting him in a handicap match against the New Age Outlaws. Then on January 17th, Tess beat the big boss man to win the hardcore title, and then he was in the Rumble match, and then he lost the hardcore title on my birthday in 2000 to Crash Holly, which was awesome, (laughs) and then he turned heel to start up TNA. Not only did he not get the match with Triple H, they fucking character assassinated him. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you took a guy who was on the cusp of maybe being like an upper mid carter who you can occasionally get a good program out of who's over as a face and you fucking neutered him within three weeks. I will never be over this.
1: I'm sitting here just slightly enjoying this mainly because I absolutely loved the McMahon Helmsley era. Where there'd be a match, and then Triple H would just walk out and like, By the way, uh, no DQ, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just walked out and, or it'd be like The Rock and Stone Cold would have a match, and they'd be like, By the way, uh, it's a hardcore match, uh. <laughs> like, it would mm. just, like, they would just come in, like, it was, it was kind of cool, the chaos that they created, but, and I can see that being you know how they got the new age outlaws into a match with test and a like a two-on-one every week or or whatever But just like as i'm sitting here just reminiscing about the mcmahon hemsley era god what test could have been if uh like again like the booking of this and where they should have gone and where they went are well, it's a 180 it's so bizarre the story of uh test career I will
0: never, ever be over it. With that, Mr. Crash Andrews, I think that is another week in the books. I am kind of looking forward to seeing what happens on both main roster shows, as per usual, but we'll see if next week I can have as impassioned of a rant about a storyline that took place 23 years ago today.
1: You know you know what we get to talk about next week? Whatever this iron, iron Survivor match is on NXT. like oh, We boy. can spend the whole hour trying to figure out the rules, <laughs> what the hell it is. And we get X Pac and we get Shawn Michaels and we get a whole slew. I think Molly Holly's coming back to explain a bit of it.
0: I can't wait. Convince <laughs> me Vince Russo is not currently booking in NXT. <laughs> Convince me. Good luck. <laughs> Oh, Un- I mean, freaking believable! The demon
1: hasn't come back yet, so there's that.
0: Uh, God, bring yet, back yet, demon?
1: I should say what? yet. Is Dale Torborg still alive? Oh, that's a good question. And mm.
0: thank God he is. Oh. We love you, Dale. <laughs> we love you.
1: Hey, come on the podcast anytime.
0: Yes, we we'd love to talk about your thoughts on test being character assassinated <laughs> by the powers that be. That'll,
1: be. that'll be the first question we ask any guest that shows up on the podcast. So,
0: you're just pissed off about test as I was, <laughs> and still am. And if you're oh. as pissed off about test as I still am, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Second Turnbuckle, N D Turnbuckle. Tell your friends that we're here. Leave a review. Do all that fun stuff. And, uh, of course, as always, you can follow Mr. Crash Andrews at Crash underscore Andrews. The, Stupid uh,
1: Elon Musk. Uh,
0: <laughs> just remember that at Crash Andrews without the underscore is still just some dude who, who has posted <laughs> who has
1: since 2009. Tweeted. Come on.
0: Absolutely amazing. You can follow me everywhere, of course, at Tuki24, T-O-U-G-I-E-24. And with that crash, I don't know if you're fully prepared. Well,
1: wait, yeah, no, not yet, but I will. But I was gonna say, hey, the best, um, the best uh, site, the best streamer on Twitch, the best Twitch stream ever, two v twenty four. Hey, what a guy!
0: I'm Handsome working on Devil it. Crash Andrews. Would he ever lie to you? I don't think so.
1: Twice, I would twice easily. Twice, twice, <laughs> only uh, twice. Let's though. see here.
0: I feel like by friendship standards, only lying twice isn't that bad.
1: Well, the first one would be like just a small fib just to see if I could get away with
0: it. Right. To see if I'd still like be able to fully trust you. And here we are Uh, with a wrestling podcast as we bide time.
1: (laughs) Trying to (laughs) get
0: the marvelous ending of every show, because this show could only end in one way. There's so many good ones the lovely, magical words of one of the greatest of all time. By the way, speaking of one of the greatest of all time, uh, would have been Mean Gene Oakland's birthday today as if the day of recording. Rest in peace to another oh. legend. I hope he and Bobby are chopping it up with the what's, big guy Okay, upstairs.
1: really quickly. Really quickly, what's a better start to a conversation with Mean Gene, Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan? Well, let me tell you, Mean Gene, or... <laughs> Mean! Woo! Gene!
0: I gotta go with Chris Jericho calling him Gene Mean, because that's <laughs> what the Iron Sheik used to do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Alright, well, we referenced
1: Owen Hart earlier, which we absolutely love, and we love Bobby Heenan. He did say once about the Blue Blazer, who we still don't know whether or not called that was aware, Owen Hart or right? Yeah, yeah. Well, We know the Blue Blazer is really, really agile and really, really stupid. Bobby Heenan, everybody. We'll see you next week.